Once upon a time, there lived a beginner witch slash magician called Alistair Crowley, or Crowley if you're a fan. He uh, did a lot of rather naughty things, messed about with magic and people, became the wickedest man in the world, and then eventually died perplexed. Is that about all the information we need to give in terms of backstory, Chris? I think that's all the information we need to give full stop. That's about as interesting as he gets. Okay, so, the (laughs) wickedest man in the world, Alistair Crowley. I'm saying Crowley and not Crowley because I'm not a fan. (laughs) What's your impression of Alistair Crowley then? Do you think he's a high-level magus, master of the dark arts? He may be a high-level magus. But that isn't that some ceremonial bullshit. Oh, see, I did the first swear, Soz. Right, so are you saying that Maguses aren't all that? <laughs> I'm just saying that it's like um, going through school and you say, oh, I'm year six now. And you're like, yeah, but you go to big school next year. Oh, so you say that he's a big fish in a small pond and that small pond is full of really immature children. Basically, that I think that's what I and, just said. And the ceremonial magicians. <laughs> I think <laughs> that's the ceremonial magicians. I think that's what I said. Basically, it's, it's OK, I've got to dig myself slightly out of that hole. The, I don't have it. I'm not dissing ceremonial magicians. What I'm dissing is that if you were that good as a ceremonial magician, you wouldn't have to shout about it quite as loud as Alistair felt the need to. And I think that's what bugs me. And you probably wouldn't make as many mistakes as old no. Alistair did. He, did he ever really master anything? I'm trying to think. No, unless... All, the only thing he really mastered was making sure, all, you know, pretty much all of his five children died way before they were actually <laughs> even reached maturity. So, you know, I just, you know, most of his female partners ended up in um, insane, insane asylums. Um, and most most of the male men that he slept with tried to kill themselves. So really, how successful is Alistair Crowley at that? Right, so Alistair Crowley comes in at the time around the demise of the the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. So you have, before the 20th century, you have a lot of magic, and it's still all very uh, hidden, isn't it? Yeah. There's still lots of hidden things. It's all about secret societies and shit. Yeah, the public stuff that is out there is still kind of within the realms of secret societies. You've kind of still got the cunning folk arts, you know, your everyday witch. Alistair Crowley, I think, marks the beginning of the modern practitioner in that they're the best. Alistair Crowley's the best that a lot of people I see hope to become. They do a lot of a reading. They do a lot of a studying. They even... On occasion, some of them even do magic. Like old Alistair Crowley, you can't say he didn't do magic. He's not an armchair magician. No. In fact, he wrote a lot of books that the armchair magicians read and collect. He does. And sell on for more than they've bought them for as a little side business. Yeah. Um, but he never really mastered anything. He is a beginner yeah. and died a beginner and messed up a lot of things. The one thing I will say 
I have respect for for Alistair Crowley is that he never gave up. No. He carried on no. pushing. He's very in, in very much like Gerald Gardner in that sense, very much collecting information from lots of different um, Western mysticism kind of pathways, trying to improve himself. But I just don't think they ever achieved the goal, is my is my mm. worry, is actually, yes, he kept a trying and he kept a trying. Um, I just don't, I don't feel like, did he ever really achieve what he set out to achieve? No, I don't think that he, has, he achieved what he set out to achieve. And I don't think that a lot of people that follow him achieve what they set out to achieve. Because that's the thing why I say he marks the beginning of this kind of modern practitioner. This practitioner um, that we would probably think of as oh dear, this is what magic has become. Yeah. And it makes me feel a little uncomfortable. And you see that even if you think, because I think that Alistair Crowley, for the majority of his magical practice, is inept. I'd say that he's, if I had to con compare him to a lot of the people that we see today, yes, he would be a master of magic compared to them, which should give you some indication of the sort of people that we come across sometimes today. Yeah, definitely. Um, but... I think that the uh, the work of Alistair Crowley is very interesting. There's a lot of lessons to be learned, kind of like a calamity, if you will. <laughs> if you can learn from other people's mistakes, you can probably learn a lot from Alistair Crowley. If you want to learn, learn a book of a correspondences, if you want to copy and paste rituals, then again, Alistair Crowley might be another one, but it won't really get you anywhere. Even the, what you could possibly call, I don't know if you'd call it, I'm going to call it a religion, the Lima, even that which he, so say, channeled essentially from the god Thoth, who we kind of know. I know quite well. <laughs> Silent partner in our business. Um, even that he didn't fully understand. I mean, no. he's tried to cobble together and create a religion that he himself was a kind of grand master of, or high priest of, slash the leader of, but he never really understood it himself, and he admitted that. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say, Alistair Crowley's a beginner. Alistair Crowley's not someone to aspire to, um, his position. He died a perplexed, and it's no wonder, if he looked back over his life, I can imagine he thought, I haven't really done anything. I've, I've done a lot. I've said a lot. It's like one of those lectures you get, yeah. you know, which they say a lot. They speak for eight hours and yeah. say a lot. Shag but a lot. You think about, well, what did I learn? Shagged a lot of yeah, grad students. Really... Shagged a lot of grad students. They say a lot, but they don't actually say anything. Yeah. So I'd say that Alistair Crowley probably learned a lot in his life. <laughs> it was all failures. <laughs> and the Thoth Tarot deck, because someone asked about the creation of Thoth Tarot deck, because I put a little thing on the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Facebook group, secret Facebook group, and asked the sort of things that people want want us to talk about today. Someone mentioned about Thoth Tarot deck. I think the Thoth Tarot deck is a back alley abortion. <laughs> I think that what people get, yeah. is they get to the perspective of, they learn a little bit about magic, and I say a little bit, they learn a little bit about magic. They think they know a lot about magic and they start trying to correct 
the things that are out there. They start trying to correct other things. They start trying to think, these four elements, well, I don't understand the concept of spirit and how that's actually linked to the existing four elements. So I'm going to make a fifth element because I know better. Yeah. Crowley took the deck, you know, tarot deck, and he thought, I think there's stuff missing from this, so I'm going to add it in. When in reality... There wasn't things missing from it. It's just that he didn't understood that they weren't missing. From well, it's it. one of those, wasn't it? So he was a uh, he knew the uh, Mathers very well, didn't he? One of the founders of the Golden Dawn, McGregor Mathers. Yeah. yeah, and then obviously he therefore would have understood that the Arthur Waite deck um, is is the kind of teachings of the. Uh, Got Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn and then tweaked it a mm. bit. So I think they've often said it's to do with his understanding of I Ching, the divination practice in yeah. China. So, um, you know, because he, he, he travelled around a bit, didn't he? Mainly because he was being booted out of places um, and then had to go settle somewhere else. And I think on his travels, mm. he'd picked up this popular um, divination game and kind of tried to blend that into the tarot. Because um, clearly he must have thought tarot didn't have enough to teach you, so I needed to add something else. Crowley's one to start projects, to throw himself into a project, and then get bored of yeah. it. So you've got the Abramelin ritual, and you've got the idea of contacting your holier guardian angel, which is really just a case of merging with your higher self. Yep. And downloading all of the information from past, present, and future lives. Of course, I'm not entirely sure whether he knew that. Most cultists know that, so I'm perfectly happy to give that one away. The Holy Garden Angel is your higher self. What is your higher self? Your higher self is that aspect of your soul that is not that bound goes by beyond time. Different... Yes, it goes beyond different incarnations. It is the server that your iPhone backup storage device connects to it doesn't matter what edition of iphone you have it still connects back to the data source yeah that data source is not the all because the all is the internet that yeah. data source is a server on the internet where you oh did i give away yeah. some high level you... golden dawn <laughs> it's, the, it's the cloud it's the cloud where you accidentally upload all the things you didn't mean to upload like those dick pics yeah. that you then later on realise later, I didn't mean to upload those, but it automatically uploads to the cloud. Yeah, I think my my uh, yeah my cloud must be full of dick pics and that. <laughs> <laughs> Yours or other people's? That's the interesting point there. <laughs> there may or may not be some of mine on there as well. <laughs> I don't know. We might have to edit all that bit out. No, it's fine. Leave it. That's what they come here for. Let's face it. What they want is the password right. to the cloud. <laughs> so, so what we've got, so what we've got is him really growing up in a Christian cult. It's kind of like my dad's version. I can see a lot. Yeah. I can see a lot of uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, of uh, similarities between his family and my family. If I'm honest, on my dad's side of the family, anyway. He grew up in this weird Christian cult. Um, 
very serious Protestant Christians and then he kind of rebelled and went the opposite way and went into all of this kind of naughty naughty stuff. He was a bit of a sicko and always had been. You know, he killed cats to see if they had nine lives. Yeah. He is the sort of kid that goes with a magnifying glass burning ants, that sort, isn't he? Yeah. Would you say he's a sociopath? No. He has any emotions? I don't I don't think he's a sociopath. I do think he is he's obviously a sadomasochistic um asshole yeah. um and get drives pleasure pleasure from harming other things um oh i'm not sure i'm not sure if he was a sociopath i don't know i'd, I'd have to bow to the uh expertise of us <laughs> we'll get paul on we'll get paul to ask answer that question for us <laughs> get the psychotherapist get the psychotherapist to answer that question um, yeah, I don't think I'm qualified to answer that. Should we get him on and do, and do, a, and do a, um, a, a magical practitioner special and just rattle off different ma- famous names and yeah. just say, Paul, is this person a sociopath? <laughs> is this person a sociopath? Is this person crazy or are they enlightened? And just see what he says to each <laughs> one. That could be fun. I think that would be a fun one. Top, top ten Paul, occultists. if you're listening, because we know you're listening, if you're listening, <laughs> expect a call or something. <laughs> Or maybe a couple of messages that we can quote you on. Yeah, you know. Start preparing your top ten. Your top ten list. Is she adoring virtue? Is she having a breakdown and turning to Christianity, or is she found the enlightenment? What does the psychotherapist say? (laughs) (laughs) Can you comment, or is that again breaking some sort of ethical boundaries? Well, I don't think she's not a client. She's not a client. Well, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Maybe he's the one that said, oh, Doreen, I tell you what, things aren't going very well for you in your life, are they? Are you sure you're on the right path? Are you sure you want to keep talking to all those angels? All those angels and that. (laughs) And she thought, Paul, you're right, man. You're right. I need to to find Jesus. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Sorry. Back on the point. On the point. Yes, so someone asks about the wickedest man in the world. Okay, the title and titles, the wickedest man in the world. Um, Lauren just jumped in the put on the uh, on the thing and said, "He's not the wickedest man on the world. He's just an asshole." <laughs> so would you agree with Lauren, our friend Lauren? I, I, there? I think I'd have to agree with Lauren on that front. But it's it was a it was a newspaper thing, wasn't it? You've got to put this in context. This was Victorian yes. Britain. Well, he did go about calling himself the Beast Six Six Six. Well, he yeah, was co- he, he was then, he was convinced he was that... the Antichrist, wasn't he? He was convinced that he was the Antichrist. Well, his, his mother was convinced that she was convinced that he was the Antichrist. He played up to it. <laughs> now, this reminds me a little bit about a meeting Katie with your Price. dad. <laughs> no, Kate, Katie Price. It reminds me of Katie Price Jordan. You know, page yeah. three. She's like. Oh, I don't like it. All these tabloids, all these tabloids are writing about me. You want to pay me to do a reality TV show? Oh, come on, I'll get my tits out. You can film me tits <laughs> and do a reality TV show about what how fucked up my life is. And then what I'll do is I'll complain about the papers are writing about me. <laughs> That's what I'll do. So Alistair Crowley kind of is a little bit like that. Except for the fact that he doesn't complain, he actually yeah. goes with it. And then, so and says, then he decides okay. to go write for the papers. Yeah, propaganda <laughs> minister of propaganda. <laughs> yeah, that's quite cool. Um, 
Okay, so so these titles and stuff like that, that people give themselves, or that even secret societies bestow on certain ranks when you go through an initiation and you move up to the next, the inner circle or whatever, the Masons, Eastern Star, whatever it is, whenever they give you a title, what do you think about them? Do you agree with the title things? Because it does go back to ancient times to a certain extent, doesn't it? Well, it does, but then in ancient times you wouldn't have been given a glossy certificate. Oh, okay. So it's the certificate you don't it's like. The, is it's it? the certificate that I, I get iffy about, is the fact that, okay, but why do you need... It's a lineage thing. I, it's a kind of internal knights, uh, knights of the gentry kind of situation where they need, they need papers to prove who they are. And it's that, it's and that, that, that I don't do like. Do you know why that is? Do you know why that is? Do you know why the third degree initiate of Alexandrian witchcraft needs papers to prove that they're a third degree initiate of Alexandrian witchcraft? It's because A, they haven't worked out that if they get a spirit <laughs> to actually keep the records that all that person needs to do is summon up the spirit and say, this person, Arlene, is she a third degree initiate? Yeah. And the spirit says, oh, no, she isn't. She's an imposter. Burn. You know she's an imposter. I think that when you get these limited, and I use the term limited traditions, I shouldn't because it, it, it may make the people think of limited capacity, whether that be physical disability or mental capacity. It's limited capacity magical practitioners and systems it is. whereby we need to give everyone a passport or a photographic ID or a certificate because we don't know any real magic you see so <laughs> we can't tell whether that witch in front of us is actually a witch or whether she's an imposter because we don't know ourselves we don't know if she's nicked those robes from old Arthur yeah, down the road we don't know yeah we, we don't know if the school of martial arts when they meet Another practitioner is a black belt in judo and in my judo school. I can't tell, you see, so I need to say, have you got your black belt, please? I can't, I can't tell just by looking at them or fighting them or watching them fight whether they're actually a yellow belt. Hmm. And within these traditions, that's generally what you're talking about. You're talking about proper magical traditions with proper magical practitioners. They don't require any form of a paperwork to keep an eye on their members. No. They don't need any certificates of initiation because all the other members, they know yeah. how to phone up the correct spirit, <laughs> get them on dial a spirit, dial a ghost or whatever, and find out that information. Yeah. Anyway, that was going off on a rant a bit, wasn't it? You were ranting a bit there. But I think it's an appropriate rant, at least, for a change. Yeah. So is the is at the end of the day it's not required. So you know in the in the good old days, um, by that I mean ancient times, you wouldn't have required that on the basis that you would have known by your presence alone, not even need to dial a ghost, but you'd have known by presence alone that you were in the in the presence of someone with real power. And I think that's the difference. You know, you would meet meet a seer. And you would know that she had the power that she had purely on her presence alone. You know, she wouldn't have needed to wear a, a little gold band or, um, you know, um, a little red cord um, in order to tell them that they were of a certain level of training. You know, you lived in the temple. It was part of your day to day with these kind of mystery cults. It's a case of they want to stay hidden 
but then they need ways to remind each other that they're all part of the same club. It's, you know, hence the handshakes and whatnot with the, the Freemasons. Mm, yeah, yeah. We we have a, a mini, um, what we call the advanced practitioners, don't we, on, our, on the BOF. We don't have a tradition, but we do have a group of advanced practitioners. We didn't advertise for the training or for our mystery school. There is the Thoth Witchcraft Patreon, of course, but there is a secret advanced section. All of the people that got there didn't answer an advert on the Facebook. No. They didn't even do a Google search or anything to look for mentors. What they did is they were told by the spirits they work with to come to us and say a specific thing, <laughs> a very specific thing. And that gets them access to that specific, I wouldn't like to call it inner circle because we put just as much effort into those people as we do yeah. our beginners. But it is advanced magic, it's an advanced magic group. And guess what? We don't need to advertise for that. No. Because the practitioners themselves speak with the spirits and the spirits tell them the answers to their questions and what to do. Is literally the banner of like that old meme that goes up I see and posted on Facebook and stuff. Psychic meeting. If you don't know when and where, you're not invited. <laughs> exactly. Because they should be able to work that information out for themselves. Yeah. Proper secret societies work like that. What you get is you get some of those secret societies that create outer orders to fund the inner order. Yes. They don't need to, but they tend to do it. In a, really, it's just a recruitment process. So you've got things like the Golden Dawn, Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. You've got kind of like an inner circle and an outer circle. The outer circle is where all the celebrities go, all the people that are seriously interested in magic and they pay a fee. And then that supplies... That supplies money and influence to the people in the inner circle. Now, the real magic's going on in the inner circle. The problem with Alistair Crowley is he never got in that inner circle. No. And you can see from the stories of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn that he tried to get in and that he was given some bullshit fake initiation, which didn't actually stand up because a lot of the other people weren't having none of it. Not just because they didn't like him, but also because he wasn't a worthy. Because yeah. that's the thing, what a lot of people don't understand. These great secret societies that are a secret a you can't google them the masons the freemasons is not a secret society there is a books written about them. <laughs> you know the name yeah it's real secret societies you do not know they exist you do not know their names i've met some of them <laughs> <laughs> you don't know their names right you don't know the people well you might know the people that are involved but <laughs> You wouldn't necessarily know who was involved, no. you know. And and that's the thing with a lot of these things, is what you're seeing is you're seeing the outer circles and the bullshit secret societies. Now, most of the secret societies I know, they don't have an inner and an outer court. What they have is a secret society, and then they have a fake secret society for the beginners. It has a different name, different structure. What they don't have is they don't have a temple complex whereby they have, this is the areas for the, the people which are the plebs, the beginners, and this is the secret society in the middle. You can progress through the ranks. What you do get is you get, here's the, uh, I don't know, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, and then they would have another organisation that was the secret society that wasn't really necessarily related with that. Yeah. And the reason for that is twofold. 
well, there's a lot of reasons actually that I'm not really going to go into. We'll do a whole thing on secret society structures and stuff if you want. Um, but basically, just put it at this. Not only is it security issues, but also the fact that the outer order is for training and um, beginners. Uh, what would you call interview process? The shop front. Is the shop front. And then what you've got is also the people that are on the inner secret society, very often they have their own outer orders. It's not like, oh, it's a soft witchcraft shop, we have the secret society in the middle. It's not that, because not everyone works for the outer order, the soft patron or something like that. What you have is you have a people in an organization, one might come from have something from the Masons, one might have something from Felina, one might some have something for that. They all might create their own little mini shop fronts. So think of it like this. The secret society is the chamber of a commerce in a village. And all of the public secret societies that you name are the shop fronts. You've got the laundrette. Yep. You've got the takeaway. You've got this. The owners of all of those meet up at the Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. There aren't adverts for the Chamber of Commerce, though. You have to be in it to know about it, okay? That was kind of a bullshit explanation. It sounds kind of occulty and uh, conspiracy-esque, but I'm not saying that there is a huge cabal of all of these secret societies, like probably David Icke would say. <laughs> but I know from first-hand experience, as you know from first-hand experience, Chris, that this does come does. and I'm not going to pretend like it don't. So let's draw a line under that and uh, answer another question with the five minutes we got left, which someone also asked on the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Facebook group. Uh, World War One started because he might have released How a demon in the Paris working. Did Alistair Crowley release a demon and cause World War One? No. Is that a yes or no question? Can you give us I a feel, yes or no answer? I feel... I feel I feel that like, that is a no. There is the, it's simple okay. as a no. Um, there are lots of factors that led to World War One and two. I don't think you can lay that at the feet of a, um, you know, a very basic magician going by the name of Alistair Crowley. Um, there were lots of secret beginners do involved. mess things up though. Beginners mess things up, though, on a local scale sometimes. They are capable of messing things up on a local scale. Intermediate practitioners often mess things up on a global... Uh, global. Um, they have more of a global reach and mess about globally, and possibly universally as well. They might make a few impacts on the universe. So I don't know. I mean, Alistair Crowley might have contributed, but he wasn't responsible, I don't think. No, I don't think but he can make that is, kind of claim. If, if that's coming from him and he's the one, then that just feeds into his ego. And I just kind of yeah. had the big ego. It was literally like a case of, oh, there's a war going on. Everyone thinks I'm a baddie. Well, I might as well say that I created it. It's well, what am I doing? You only have to look at what went on. He offered his services to the British. The British said, no, mm -hmm. not interested, go away. <laughs> so he goes over to the US. Then he starts, you know, gets uh, upset some of the US. Then he goes, oh, OK, well, I'll offer my services to Germany then. Like, you know, you're just kind of like, OK, pick a team, love. If you're that bad at picking mm. a team, the likelihood is you're not able to actually create the mascot. Let's let's face it. 
Mm. Right. So, we've got to answer these last couple of questions or talk about these last couple of pro um, last couple of points that we were asked to. One is uh, synthesizing magic and science, so combining magic and science. The next is sex magic, and then we're talking about Thelema. So we will talk about all of those in the Thoth Witchcraft Patreon, because we are a run out of time. Yeah. Um, I'll just leave it with the last minute we've got, because Alistair Crowley was well into his sex magic. Do you think Alistair Crowley was good in bed, Chris? Well, I wouldn't have thought so. Based on the efforts, well, on the efforts he had to go in order to um, describe his needs. Um, if you're shouting about them <laughs> that much, you're not you're not proving the point, are you? In in the actual bedroom. So I would. Does he strike you as a selfish a selfish lover? Well, it was what I couldn't get over was the const <laughs> the constant refer referrals to being a sodomite. <laughs> so, you know, if you're a sodomite and you're spending all these ti this time with women, then I'm assuming that you're not actually investing any effort to the woman's pleasure, are you? And then therefore it's not really sex magic. But that's about all I'm going to say about it on this side, because we haven't got the time. But I think we definitely need to do... So I don't know if it's a one we'll have to do for the Patreon or what, or if it'll have to be... Um, something when you're on Witchcraft Live, but we'll do a, we'll have to do a couple of videos and well, if podcasts it's Witchcraft on. Live, and we're doing sex magic. If it's Witchcraft Live, they're going to be expecting some sort of live sex show. Aren't they? <laughs> we could get thrown off of Facebook for that. That might be something for our only fans. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that'll be I think something we're going to have to address, isn't it? It's it's something we touch on a lot, isn't it? Though sex magic. Yeah, so potentially coming soon, sex magic on OnlyFans, Thoth OnlyFans. <laughs> right, we're on the Patreon now, <laughs> so what, what are we going to be tackling next? Do you want to go into sex magic a bit, or do you want to leave that for its own podcast? I, th I think sex magic has to have its own podcast. I think what I will continue right. to say is that I'm not convinced that he was any good at sex magic. And I don't mean as a performer. I'm pointing that out on the basis that if he managed to not sustain... Um, <laughs> if he managed to not sustain the spells, if you look at what happened after each of these mentions of these big works with sex magic involved, there's normally disaster falls straight after. Yeah. So so yeah. clearly he wasn't all that good at the actual sex magic. Now whether that was he wasn't capable of raising enough energy during the during the rite, or if it was a case of he wasn't very good at utilising the energy, I don't know because I didn't know him. Um, we can kind of we can kind of you know we've got our own suspicions based on how uh, the timeline of when these things happened, followed by what happened afterwards. You know, mm. loss, loss, of, yeah. loss of children, uh, loss of sex partners that were involved in said rights, um, the personal things that happened to him, uh, you know, losing, losing property and all that kind of stuff, losing money, all of those sorts of things suggest that whatever he was trying to do, the sex magic was not enough. 
of a power source in order to actually create the works that he was attempting to do. Um, So I think it's one of those things where kind of like, you know, it's got to be, it, it demonstrates that clearly wasn't as good as he tried to say he was during some of this. What I, will, what I do feel we kind of have to make a little bit of time for was the um, the Supreme Right. So you were making me you making me watch all sorts of videos for this because I really hate looking into Crowley at all. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. the the patrons asked for it, so the patrons get it. Um, mm-hmm. So we were talking about and, and the Supreme Right. So the idea of taking a woman, cutting her into nine pieces inscribing certain parts on those parts he didn't i don't i'm not even sure what he was attempting to achieve but apparently it was some kind of uh divine right done with that do you know any more about it not to be honest no i think the problem with alistair crowley in general with a lot of his work is that he takes basic principles of magic whether it's uh, something like this how to get your holy guardian angel or yeah. something like that rituals from the golden dawn wherever it is he takes it and in his warped brain much like how he designed the soft tarot in his warped brain he kind of takes it apart and bastardizes the whole thing yeah so it is one of those things whereby i think with crowley he never really gets over his christian kind of upbringing and there's no. always very much a duality of what is a good and what is a bad and i'm sticking with the bad yeah because that's i i wonder if there's a fear to a certain amount there that is like a case of i need to go as deep as possible into this kind of left-hand path because that's what i'm truly scared of and if i keep going deeper and deeper and deeper i'll know what's there and I'll find enlightenment in it. Yeah. I don't think that a lot of Alistair Crowley... I mean, when I really look at it, I mean, you could read about his writings and you can read the Crowley quotes and you can see what other people that read his work do with their magic and it enhances their magic. People do learn from Crowley. I just don't think Crowley learned from himself. No. I don't think that he learned from his own mistakes. I think other people learn more and have become better magicians and witches and magical practitioners reading Crowley's mess-ups and trying to emulate him and copying his rituals and thinking about his philosophies and stuff, I think they've gotten further than Crowley ever did. Yeah, definitely. they've seen what's gone wrong. Definitely. And they've adapted it. At the, be- at the very best, he was capable of being a vessel in order to do the automatic writings to get some of this stuff out. Um, so something yeah. took advantage of him. What that something was... I wouldn't like to hazard a guess. Um, I highly. Well, he thought it was an alien, didn't he? Yeah, I. It was that weird, weird-headed alien thing. Oh, um, Ewas. What was it? I, I call him. Ewas. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Crowley. Crowley relied on drugs. Yeah. He did a lot of sex magic. He did a lot of that. He didn't have much background in a cult. He was a fairly. He was well read. Yeah. But there are a lot of well read people that don't know how to magic their way out of a paper bag. He joined the outer order of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, was given a couple of workings which were designed to help you contact your holy guardian angel. Which Crowley I don't believe ever did. No. Because the whole point we'll go into Philema in a bit. Let's let's divulge all of the secret teachings of Philema. 
since we're on the Patreon, they pay three pounds some up for this. So we yeah. might as well give them the uh, inner teachings of uh, some fake secret society. Sorry, not fake secret society. One of these um, modern day religions. Shop fronts. <laughs> I'd say shop fronts. We were using the term shop front. Yeah. Let's go into the inner teachings of some of these shop fronts and pull them apart. Um, but no, Carly was a was a trier. He tried, and ultimately he failed. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. my opinion. <laughs> uh, but literally, like uh, I said to you earlier, like one of the documentaries I watched last night, I could have literally just done a drinking game to. Every every thirty seconds, they said the word sex magic, as if I was supposed to be surprised by it. Um, it sounded like he had one trick that he liked to use over and over again. Um, and it was probably just his, his pickup line. Shall we make some sex magic? Let's go make some sex Let's magic. Let's do a ritual. Let's do a ritual. <laughs> want to come home Want to come home and do a we're gonna, ritual we're, with me? We're going to make some magic, we is. We're going to make some magic. <laughs> and, and then they, the, the, the local pub wench goes, Mr. Crowley, you are such a beast. <laughs> and then he uses her and a discards her. Yeah. Maybe she might pop out a kid. But then he just discards the both of them and then pisses off to India or pisses off to Egypt <laughs> or pisses off somewhere else. <laughs> and then or gets booted out of one place or booted out of another. Uh, just Well, he gets booted out of uh, Sicily, I think it was, where the Abbey of Thelema was. Yes. And I mean, come on, cult leader. Crowley is your stereotypical cult leader. I mean, <laughs> he goes off to some obscure little place in an island off of Italy. Um, and then he starts up this place that it looks like a ruin. I don't know if it, it looks, it like, looks a like a shed. I don't know if it looked like a ruin back then. It, it looks, looks like a like shed. One of these, <laughs> these, these granola munching hippies go off and make a shed and then they make this kind of commune and then they all do sex magic and Crowley just takes advantage of them whilst he's on drugs and does all sorts of stuff. Now, there is some, uh, secret information that I learned from the Fanny Cranick book, because now I've got the Fanny Cranick book, I've had to read it to do the foreword. <laughs> and I suspect, I mean, it doesn't say this in the book, but it leads to the fact that Fanny Cranick, famous West Country cunning woman, wise woman and, and witch, Fanny Cranick, who taught us a lot, she, um, she, her mother actually went to Sicily and joined some sort of cult and fell pregnant in that cult and then moved back to the UK where she settled and gave birth to Fanny, Fanny Cranach. And I'm wondering, I'm thinking, wait a minute, Sicily, round about that sort of time, could it have been the Abbey of Thelema <laughs> that she went to in Sicily? That, and if she fell pregnant there... Could she be pregnant with Fanny Cranach? I mean, could Alistair Crowley have been Fanny Cranach's father? Yeah. I mean, imagine that, because she's a nasty bitch as well. I mean, she's good at magic and witchcraft, but she's a nasty bitch. Yeah. It was... I mean, it's crazy. While, while we're going on a p a potential illicit children of Alistair Crowley, yeah. have you heard the one that goes on about um, George, George Bush? Bush? <laughs> about his yeah. grandfather yeah. potentially being Alistair Crowley. Yeah, that would be funny, wouldn't it? <laughs> but I, the thing was, I was kind of looking at some of the pictures and going, do you know what? Yes. Do you know what? Yeah. There might yeah. be some similarities there. Uh, which, yeah, sorry, we digress. Anyway, you were going to, 
use this segue Thelima. to talk more about Thelema. 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 And those Thelemites. Are, are you a, a Thelemite? I'm certainly not. No, it sounds like some sort of infestation, like bed bugs. It does. It? Oh, I've got the I got the in my bed tonight. <laughs> they love the sex juices. Oh, <laughs> if you spill a sex juices on your uh, duvet yeah. from those nocturnal missions, the thelemites that come oh. <laughs> in more though way in more ways than one. Sometimes you've just got to take it one step too far, haven't you? Really, you just can't. Not you too. just can't help yourself. Anyway, well, this is what these people pay for. Yeah. That's what they pay for. And a nasty, a nasty infestation of thelemites. Anyway, yeah. sorry, thelemite. Oh, I'm, th- I'm itching. I'm itching just thinking about it. Thelema. Thelema. How do you get rid of thelemites? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm will not a sage doing that. smudge stick get rid of one? <laughs> Will a sage, will a sage smudge stick banish thelemites? Uh, my, hey, my my smudge sticks would Your rosemary ones would clear well. anything. You know that. Okay. All right. <laughs> right. My, anyway, my, stop sidetracking and talk about my thelema. my rosemary smudge sticks would clear out Satan Satan's asshole. They they are that good. <laughs> uh, anyway, thelema, do what thou wilt. I can, uh, I can imagine Satan's asshole's pretty bunged up. <laughs> exactly. Fair. All that sodomy. All that sodomy. <laughs> I bet it's red raw. <laughs> oh, come on. Stick, stick, stick to the script. <sighs> right. Well, you know we don't strip. We don't normally script this. This is the first one where we've ever, ever had a script. And this script is literally our latest, is the latest... Thoth Witchcraft Bank Statement has come, <laughs> and I am bothered to open it because I wrote on the back of the envelope all of the things we're supposed to be covering, and look, I've been across in a mop. Oh, look. So we're only left with two now. He's trying well hard. the Lima and the synthesis, uh, synthesization of magic and science. Basically, banging magic and science together like it used to be. Yeah. As so, it should are be. Are we talking about Thelema? We're supposed to be talking about. about we're supposed to be talking about Thelema. So the idea. Right, so what's Thelema? Thelema is supposed to be about this uh, a true will, isn't it? Isn't that what they keep going on about? Do what thou will shall be the whole of the law. Love is the will. No, what is that? Something is the will. Some are under love. I don't know. I should really have learned that. You I? probably should have. It should. Do what thou it will should have been written be on your the list. The whole of the law. <laughs> Love is the will, love is the law, love under will. Yeah, love is the law, love under will. Yeah. They always say, do what thou will. That's the famous bit, but yeah. there's a bit after it, you know? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, do what you want, but not what you want, what your higher self wants. Yes. That's apparently what that's supposed to mean. Yeah. So, your core essence, you should be moving with your core essence, which basically means you at the core, that little server that's on the cloud... That has all of your networked lives from the past, the present, and the future. You should all move as one yes. into a greater work. Yes. And you should be finding out what that greater work is and then are doing it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they want you to do. That's what it means. Yeah. Do what thou will shall be the whole of the law. Why they couldn't write that? Well, exactly. I don't know. But then it's got to be, it's Victorian, isn't it? So you've got to write, you've got to write in the style. 
Oh, like the Dion Fortunes. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't. Oh, I struggle with that. I really do. We'll have to do something on Dion Fortunes. Add her to your list. She was another one which was a, a beginner. Yeah, another beginner. <laughs> a lot of people weren't like that, but she was a beginner. <laughs> so yeah, Th- Thelene. She's a beginner I can respect more than Crowley. Yes, yes. Probably a bit of a badass, but she was still a beginner. Yeah. But only because I don't think they ever achieved what they set out to do. I think this is what tends to be the problem, is that they, um, they've got an idea of what the plan is, but they never quite achieve it. So, yeah. you know, like he had all the tools and he had plenty of people around him. What he wasn't doing is pushing that to the next level. You know? Yes, that's true. And getting to the point where actually was achieving some high you know some actual hardcore magics and that's the problem it is a lot easier for magical practitioners these days though because they've got an endless amount of books they've got all the buff witchcraft patreon of course but back in alistair crowley's day if you wanted to learn a magic yeah. Some would say it was easier because there were less books, so you had to really take something like three books of occult, uh, occult philosophy by Heinrich Griffin and really run with it, instead of buying, like, spending a thousand pounds on a bunch of Wiccan books. I mean, one thing that Crowley didn't have is he didn't have to put up with all these Wicker books on Amazon. Well, yes, there is that. So he was either having to um, write them himself or borrow them from the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. <laughs> yeah. A vast library yeah. of occult information. Which, you know, you're still not sure whether or not he even had access to that. Or was it just the odd book that Mathers could still, you know, st- put aside for him? Oh, these look, these these ones have got good pictures in. I'll give them to Alistair. <laughs> oh, that'll, keep, that'll shut him up for another month. <laughs> yeah, we'll give him that. Where's... Well, Mathers, Mathers, I want some some more knowledge. Uh, right, what have I got? Here? Where's that colouring uh, book? Where's that colouring book? Yeah, but you can have this colouring book. Here we go, Alistair. You look at these are sacred pictures, and you see what comes out. They got all these brightly coloured squares. A colouring book that you got. <laughs> they got all these brightly coloured squares with angel symbols in them. That'll keep you yeah. busy for a little while. Can you crack the code, Alistair? Can you crack the code? I will crack the code. <laughs> I, the great beast, will crack the code. I think it I think it requires some sex magic. It will require a sex ritual. I will go tonight and procure me another bar wench <laughs> for which she can flog me till I have the answer. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> right. Is that all we're going to say about Thelema? Because I feel like we've just... Well, you've got 15 minutes and we haven't really covered it. I mean, we've given away the mysteries of Thelema. You're basically trying to... Because Thelema is... It... You get Thelema, yeah, so if you're wanting to go for Thelema, we've got a couple of patrons that are trying to connect to their holy guardian angel slash higher self slash whatever. When you manage to do that, You've now officially reached the fourth foundation level of magic. Congratulations. Yes. So when you manage to contact and merge with your holy guardian angel, slash that server um, in the cloud, you're now at what we call a foundation level. 
Now, the thing that I'd say about Thelema is that that's the ultimate achievement of the organisation of the religion. So I've had chats with ceremonial magicians and I've met them and they've been talking about the various, you know, the secret societies within the Masons, that sort of thing, the Thelemite, Theotio, all of these sorts of things, met a lot of them. And they're trying to work towards what we class as a foundation, but they class as advanced, which I always struggle with because we're not allowed to say that, are we? Because it makes us sound stuck up and elitist. Well, we... we get called super witches when we say what they're what the great aims of the grandmasters of the OTO and the Thelemite religion and that what they're trying to do is a reach a foundation that you can yeah. get through the Thoth Witchcraft Patreon mentorship service. Go cross the abyss. Um, <laughs> yeah, go cross the abyss and then come and back to when us. When we get to the, when you get to the other side, we'll give you your certificate of foundational witchcraft and magic. Yeah. <laughs> And then you can start learning the intermediate stuff, can't they, Chris? Yeah. From the universe itself. And then if there's time at the end, before you die, then we might start touching on advanced witchcraft and magic. Yep. That does sound super witchy, doesn't it? It does sound super witchy, but it's a fact. Right, so we can cross the limb off the list. You can cross the limb off the list. But essentially, essentially it's that. It's about... You know, living living in by um, coordinates set by this higher self, your holy guardian angel. And 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 when people want to contact their holy guardian angel, do you recommend the Abramelin ritual, like they talk about in Crowley trying to do it, it um on the edge of a Loch Ness in Beleskin House? Do you think that's a good ritual for that? <gasps> Or do you think we've got a better one? I'm sure I could rewrite it. Yeah, probably a better idea. Because it's like that film that we were going to do a podcast of. Um, oh, what was it? The Dark... dark what was it? Oh, oh a dark song. Ritual. A dark song. Yeah, that film on... Um, I think it's on Amazon Prime I watched yeah. it on. But a dark song. That's about the Abramelian ritual. Yeah, we'll have to and do I that thought, again. Oh, that's, so ser- that's so stereotypically Crowley Ceremonial Magician, that film. We'll have to do that. We still have to do that. Right. we got ten minutes left. And we've got to talk about Synthesis. the synthesizing of magic and science and combining the two together like in the ancient world. So back before we had a science, we had a, the mysteries of a magic. Yeah. And then science that came along and they started splitting. And now what's happening is that we're starting to, thanks to theoretical physicists and quantum mechanics and such, we're now starting to see a combination of them again. Yeah. It's kind of like the two friends, which they're thick as a thieves, and they're all friendly, and then they have a falling out for a bit, and then they start being friends again, and then it's water under the bridge. Yeah, but I think I think it's one of those things that we, in our teaching method, is how we would teach it anyway, is is that kind of balancing of the two, so you'd understand what what magical uh, aptitude a student has. And then you'd also want to understand, mm. depending on how they understand the world, so their personal experiences would be allow would allow you to then yeah. talk in their terms. So for us, I think often the science is the language that we use in order to explain the the magical. Yeah, I think 
the science is the language in that that we use to convey a structure and formula to other people that don't have that. So you break things because that's the common language. Yeah. So if you want to give someone a spell that works, you have to break that down into scientific principles that are play laws, that sort of thing. Now, a lot of people say this about magic, and it really annoys me. They say, well, magic is just science that's not understood yet. And I've always found that to be bollocks. Yeah. Because magic's more of an art form. When I look at someone that does beautiful watercolour paintings, I don't say, that's science. <laughs> it is science because we know how watercolours work. Yeah. But you don't go into your uh, science department yeah. in school or in a university in the science building and find loads of people painting, do you? Yeah. You find that in the art department. It's a, And magic is the art form, really. It's, it's the same reason why computers struggle to create symphonies that sound natural. And that why yeah. they use that as the testing point of whether or not an AI is capable of actually having independent thought. Can they create something that is both beautiful and not mechanic? So, you know, it is mm. that, you know, magic is the symphony. You know, it, it, you can break that down into individual notes, but the order in which they go in is a flow and a natural understanding of how they marry to each other. Yeah. Well, the artificial intelligence is an interesting thing because that, in order for that kind of stuff to be pushed, when you're talking about the synthesizing um, symphonies and the creation of those kind of works of art in terms of music and stuff, requires um, quantum chips, quantum processing, yeah. which comes along in the 21st century. So eventually, 21st century is when it all changes, isn't it? Spoiler alert, everyone. <laughs> The 21st century is when it all changes, and you would-be witches, seriously, need to fucking up your fucking game. Yeah. Because if you don't up your game, there's a lots of a weird stuff coming, and you need the power to be able to deal with it. Yeah. This is a very strange thing. You need to be progressing quicker because you're too slow. <laughs> you're not gonna. Re you're not gonna get to the end of the race. <laughs> and yes, we're all on a race. Don't for one minute think we're not. <laughs> if you don't get to the end of the race and the finish line, then some bad's going to happen. So I'll leave it at that. We'll have to move on quickly to something else so I don't have to justify that because <laughs> I'll be accused of giving away things and then someone will start emailing me saying the Illuminati is going to come and kill me again. <laughs> I do love those emails that I, I get do on love the those. YouTube comments. I do love those. Jesus. It's the ones that involve Jesus that make me laugh the most. Oh, and the Jesus ones as well. Dude, dude, with the witchcraft and embrace, embrace Jesus. Jesus, dude. Okay, go back to your blunt, and we'll have another chat later. Um, was there anything else Crowley that needed to be covered? No, that's all the stuff. Literally, I've managed to cross off on the list. And if we haven't covered something, it's because you never bothered to tell us to. <laughs> By writing in the little comments section underneath the what do you want us to talk about on the Crowley edition of podcast yeah. episode. And it's no good so, going on there now to do it. We've done the episode. Hmm. So, you know. So I suppose we could finish with the Crowley. Well, it wasn't technically Crowley. I don't think he led the ritual. He did it in the uh, he did rituals when he was in Egypt. Right. Oh, yes. He did one in the Great Pyramid. 
Yeah. And then you also did one where he got, I think it was his wife at the time, to um, be possessed by Thoth, the god Thoth. And that relayed a shitload of information, secret occult information and stuff, which then read, led to being written and turned into the Book of the Law, which you can buy on Amazon, <laughs> which I've got a copy. Um, and then the Lima thing. So did Crowlia talk to Thoth? And if he did, was there a buffering or something? Did he not quite understand <laughs> Thoth's accent? Did he not quite get what was going on? Or maybe he did and some... What, what, what What's going on there? Clearly talking to Thoth, because technically, well, I mean, it's Thoth Witchcraft Shop, yeah. the company Thoth. we got to talk a little bit about Thoth. We, I think at some point we're going to have to do an episode just on him, I think. Um, although I think... I never actually thought of that. We probably should. We probably we? should have done one <laughs> at some point. Um, I think it's one of those subjects we don't tend to touch too much because we don't want to colour people's versions of, of Thoth. Like, you know, even calling him... A you mean you don't want to tell them when they're wrong? Well, you part, want to tell them they're wrong. <laughs> partly that. Partly that. Like, there is nothing, there's nothing wrong with the possibility that he managed to access. Bearing in mind, he was able to actually do, before they locked it all up, uh, these are back in the day when you could go into these sites and access them in ways that we can't now. Um, from a physical point of view, like he actually walked into the king's chamber and did a little ritual in there. Like, you know, he was a bit, being able to do that would involve having to get past armed guards now. Um, but yeah, it is... you get shot if you tried to do that now. Exactly. So, like, you know, he was a, I would imagine he was capable of tapping into something. Bearing in mind the um, there was no cap on the pyramid... So the pyramid wouldn't have been completely active. But at the same time, yes, he would have been able to tap into something. Whether or not I would have agreed that that was Thoth, I'm not sure. I would have conf I would have thought that if it was actually Thoth, he'd been a lot further along in his practice by the time he died than he actually was. Um, and I'm not sure Thoth would be too impressed with all the sex magic, to be honest. <laughs> that that is far too messy for Athoth, in my personal opinion. Some, I think, out of all of the energies, if you're talking about stereotypical Egyptian energies and gods and goddesses and stuff of the Egyptian, what we nowadays would be referred to as the Egyptian pantheon, with what Crowley was trying to do, which was learning magic, essentially, Thoth is probably the most likely one that would have come and answered that call, because I can't imagine that the others would be that interested, if I'm <laughs> honest with you. But Thoth does seem to be the one which is kind of like the person that goes and feeds the homeless. Yes. Is the sort of one that would help the wayward uninitiates yeah. find their way. But at the same time, is kind of stuffy and old, and it's very much a case of the old lecturer that says, this is how it is, and drones on. So... I can understand Crowley not understanding Thoth and not being able to get all of the details right. So I can believe that he did, his uh, wife channeled Thoth. I just don't understand. I can imagine there'd be a lot that goes that went wrong. So the book of the law, in its simplest form, that shows do what thou will shall be the whole of the law and all that. 
you could extrapolate from that. Do I think Crowley did a good job at helping the modern day practitioner? No. Do I think he did a better job than a Gerald Gardner? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I agree. He's probably the more sympathetic of, uh, of deity. You know, I, I don't like that word deity, but you know what I mean when it refers to the, the Egyptian pantheon. But, you know, the access point, I yes, there would have been access point there. Whether or not he was able to actually understand the information Thoth was giving is is very different. But anyway. Well, it would have been designed to have been mulled over and thought about. But if you're a Crowley and you used to picking up and throwing, down, throwing your rattle out the pram and just buggering off to some other country or even continent and doing another thing, then that's it. But we're out of time anyway, so hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. And we'll bring you one on sex magic at some point. Yeah.